upon him, for he careth yes. for you. Amen. He is our peace. Yes, amen. Aren't you glad this morning that God has brought the peace that passeth all understanding? Their old song circulated through the church in the 80s, and it was simply said, I know the peacekeeper, I know him by name. Thank you. Aren't you glad this morning that you know the peacekeeper and you know him by name? Thank you, worship team, sound crew was awesome. Thank you for all those that made the service healthy, those that came and changed the ceiling tiles, added light bulbs, the janitors, all of that. You've been a blessing to us, and we bless you in the name of Jesus. There was a wife talking to her best friend going through some real tough times with her marriage. And she told her friend, she said, I've lost 20 pounds. Uh, I, I, I just can't get along with my husband. And uh, so her friend said, well, why don't you divorce him? And she said, well, I thought about it, but I got 15 pounds more to lose. <laughs> thought I'd share that with you. If you brought your weapon today, if you'll go with me to Exodus, the fourth chapter. The nation Israel has been held captive by the nation of Egypt. Pharaoh had conquered the known world. And in that season of conquering, there was a jealousy towards the Israeli nation so the Pharaoh commanded all the male children be thrown into the river, kind of a parallel today, as the firstborn babies were thrown into the river. The law was just passed that a baby can be aborted right up until it's, and on the day of its birth. Scary times then, scary times now. But throwing the babies in the river got the attention of God. And one baby that wasn't thrown in the river, his name was Moses. The word Moses means drawn out. He was drawn out of the river by the king's daughter. And he was raised in a palace for 40 years. In anger, something happened. He was forced to go into hiding. And in that season of hiding, he probably wrote the book of Job. He and Job were probably friends. He probably wrote the book of Job. God speaks to Moses through a burning bush, tells him to go back to Egypt and to be used to release God's people. Moses has an argument with God and said, uh, nobody knows who sins sent me. Uh, I need a sign. And that brings us to Exodus 4. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? Look at your neighbor and say, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What's in your, look at your other neighbor and say, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, became a serpent. And Moses fled before it. He was smart. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it up by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it and became 
a rod in his hand, that they might believe that the Lord God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared in thee. The Lord said, Furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand back into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. What is in your hand? Moses had a staff in his hand. Moses was a shepherd. And he was taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And the staff represented who Moses was and what Moses did. The staff was used to direct the sheep. The staff was used to correct and discipline the sheep. And when God asked Moses, what's in your hand? God was saying, Moses, what have you got that I can use for my glory? But Moses said, my rod's in my hand. He said, cast it down. And he threw it on the ground. And when he threw it on the ground, it became a snake. And later this snake will be used to devour the snakes of Pharaoh. There is power on the dark side. As Moses was able to cast his rod down and become a serpent, the Bible says that Egypt's magicians were able to take a rod and throw it on the ground and it turned into a serpent. That's kind of scary when you look at the powers of darkness that are against us today. But the Bible says that Moses' serpent ate all the other serpents, identifying that our God is greater than any force of hell, any stronghold, any territorial spirit, generational curse and come against us. God's word, God's power is stronger than any other power upon the face of the earth put his hand in his bosom, pulled his hand out. It was leprous. Leprosy represents sin. And in our own, we are nothing. We can do nothing without God's help. We can meander. We can ponder. We can scramble to get things in order. But without God's help, God's direction in our life, we are, the Bible says, all have sin and come short the glory of God. But look at your neighbor and say, I've got good news. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus. And today we are adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. The law of Tennessee recognizes the power of adoption even more than the power of birth. Adopted children have more benefits than birth children. How crazy is that? God sought you out when he birthed his son. Son paid for the sins of the world. God sought you out and said, I want you to be a part of my family and all that I have is yours and all that you have is mine. So when we take that which represents ourself and that which represents our abilities and talents and we give it to God, God takes what we look at as some kind of staff and God turns it into power to use for his glory. You will notice in just a few days, Moses will take this staff and he will strike the Red Sea. And the Bible says the Red Sea will part. And the children of Israel will walk through on dry ground. Then Moses will take the staff again and the waters will overflow the armies of the Egyptians. And that's just the way that God works. What the enemy has t- attended against us, 
God will turn it around for our good. Aren't you glad this morning that some of the things that you're going through is simply a test and it's going to give you a testimony. It's going to be something you survived. You look back and said, with God, I was able to do, watch this, exceedingly, exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think I was able to do with the help of my God. Aren't you glad this morning that God is on your side? He will take the staff ten times and he will tap and each time he taps it, it will turn into a plague that will come against Egypt, convincing Egypt to release the people of God. The Red Sea will part and later in the journey when they are in the wilderness where there is no river, there is no spring, there is no pond, there is no lake, Moses will take the staff and he will strike a rock and that rock will crack and water flows out of that rock and it watered the people of Israel. Some say three million, some say five million, some say 150,000. We're not sure how many people there were, but how many people was in that flock. God watered every one of them. Aren't you glad that God not just knows your needs, but he knows how to take care of your needs? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? If you'll look at 1 Kings 17, I believe that, um, Austin is going to help me with that. First Kings 17, Hallelujah. verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Sapareth, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was gathering sticks, the widow woman was gathering six, and he called her, and he said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And so as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Look at somebody say, What's in your hand? And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for my, me and my son that we may eat it and die. What a tragic story that we find this morning. This widow and her son was starving to death and they had enough meal and enough oil to make a cake and they were going to make this cake and they're going to eat this cake and they were going to die. This world is starved for the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This Lord is dying and this world is dying and doesn't even realize it. Yet we are that bread from heaven that God gives us to others to bless them and encourage them. Elijah's obeying the Lord. Elijah goes where God told, told him to go to. And sure enough, there was a widow, but this widow was broke. Listen, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If God calls you to do something, God's going to finance it. If God is prompting you, nudging you, something in your heart, something in your spirit, you say, well, I don't have the funds. Let me tell you something. God has the funds. Amen. I shared with Pastor Ron a few days ago, I believe my best years are ahead. Uh, I'm uh, 36 or something with 66 or somewhere in there. <laughs> but I, I believe my best years are ahead. And I've been speaking to, to those that are interested in, in my vision and in my desire for this city, and my desire for this city is to purchase a motel, and I want to add a cafeteria to it, and I want to build a homeless shelter. 
where guys can come at five o'clock at night, eat dinner, spend the night, have devotions, eat breakfast, maybe be involved in a landscaping company or a painting company. Cheryl, I need to talk to you about that. But I believe that it's, it's God's will to use me to take the homeless off the street and not just give them a meal, but get them restored, get them healed, let, let them save up some money, help them with the car, help them with the apartment, help them get back on their feet, reconnect them, first of all, to God, and second of all, to their family. That's what I feel like God has on my plate. Do I have the money to buy a motel? No, I'm going to ask Daystar to buy it for me. I'm serious. I'm serious. When I get my ducks in a row, I've talked with someone that's already done part of this ministry. They're putting in writing some of our goals and our teaching and the things that we desire to do. And I believe that's on my plate. I believe that God has that for me. But listen, I can't fund it. I can't, I can't, I can't make that happen on, in, 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 with my means. But I know somebody that owns the cattle of a thousand hills, all the hills, all the gold buried beneath the sky above. And I'm in partnership with him. He trusts me and he's nudging me to do something for him. And he's going to pay for it. Look at somebody and say, what's in your hands? If you'll look very quickly at 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. And I want to start, I'm going to start with the first verse. Now there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that my servant did fear the Lord. And the creditors come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. This is a widow whose husband loved God, served God, but she is in a position of poverty. She is in a position of debt, and the money that she owes for her taxes she does not have. And so the government is going to come and take her sons and put them in slavery to repay the debt. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? Look at somebody and say, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? And she said, Thy handmaid hath nothing in the house save a pot of oil. Listen, little is much if God is in it. You've got something in your hand. You've got something in your life. Turn it over to God because he can turn it around for you. We talked about almost every week we talk about the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper. The Little Dipper represents us giving what little we have to God. The Big Dipper represents God giving everything that he has for us. And everything that you have need of, God has it in the storehouse that you can go to that storehouse, you can draw from that, and God can finance and fund everything that you're supposed and you're going to do for him. Look at somebody and say, what's in your hand? Then he said, go borrow vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. In other words, he's telling them to operate in faith. They have a little cruise of oil. The man of God is telling them to go and borrow as many vessels from their neighbors as they can possibly borrow. This is a crazy request. It's absurd. It's completely out of character. We have a little bit of oil and you're telling us to go and borrow empty vessels. What in the world are you up to? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? What's in your Look hand? at your other neighbor and say, what's God up to in your life? 
What's God prompting you to do? What's God birthing your spirit? What, what's keeping you awake at night? What, in, during the day, what, what God thoughts are you having? What God ideas are you having? What is God trying to do through you, for you, and to you? What's, what's God up to? Look at your neighbor and say, what's in your hand? So she obeyed. She went from him and shut the door. Let me, let me back up. Go borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels borrow not a few. Verse 4. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. A lot of times people can't handle what you feel like God has called you to do. Let me tell you something. There's been many times that I have shared my vision in, 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 to people and, and some things that I like to see God happen. And they just kind of looked at me with, I don't know, not scorn, not disdain, not unbelief, just, well, you poor old soul. Hello. Can anybody relate? You know, and, and so Elisha does not want what God wants to do. Elisha wants to make sure that nothing interferes with his plan. There's a reason why God isolates you. That's the reason why God draws you apart. There's a reason why God comes to you in the night vision. There's a reason that God shares those things with you. He doesn't want anybody to steal your dream or steal your vision or steal your destiny or steal your purpose. I've learned a long time ago, if I tell my personal family what I feel like God's wanting me to do or God's wanting to say or what God's wanting to take place, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I am. I don't, I don't have my mind. Let, let this mind be. I have the Lord's mind, thinking the Lord's thoughts. And His ways are much higher than our ways. And His thoughts are much higher than our thoughts. And thank God you've turned that radio, you've, you've tuned to that frequency. And you can hear what God has to say. The man of God says, shut the door. Don't tell anybody what's going on. And here's what I want you to do. Pour out into all these vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. In other words, they're going to take this little container of oil and they're going to fill a five-gallon bucket out of that little container of oil. How many, how many sees the, the, the vision of faith here that this widow had? How many sees the trust that she has in the man of God? The Bible says that God was going to send Elisha to a woman that was going to sustain him. How did God prepare that woman? What was he saying to her in her devotions? What was he saying to her in her prayer life? What's God saying to you? I got a phone call this week from someone that said, I simply want to know where do I fit in the body? Where, where am I with Christ? And I think there's times when we put the things of life to the side. We put our hobbies and our ideas and our plans to the side. And we simply say, like Jacob, I'm not letting go until you tell me your name. And there, there's a reason why Jacob wanted to know the name because every name of God was a different, different attribute that God would work in his behalf. Jehovah Jireh was his provider. Jehovah Nissi was his better. Jehovah Rova was the Lord that healeth thee. Jehovah Rohi is the Lord my shepherd. So, th so this man of God wanted to hear what the name of God was. And I believe that God wants to whisper some names in your heart to let you know he's still in the saving business. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the restoration business. He's still in the blessing business. The Bible says things change, but God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God of the Old Testament is the God of our, our generation and the generations to come. Believe it or not, God is in control. Do I have a friend in the house? And it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said unto her son, Bring me yet 
a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel left. They borrowed every single empty container they could find. I was thinking if you just came to my front porch and you borrowed the vessels on my front porch, there's a five-gallon bucket that has all my hunting stuff in it. There's a five-gallon bucket that has all my cleaning supplies in it. I mean, if you just came to my house, I would wear that oil out. Can anybody relate? She said, listen, we have gone to every single neighbor. And can you imagine what the neighbors must have wondered, what they must have pondered? They knew she was a widow. They knew she was broke. She, they knew her sons were going to have to go and pay the debt off. But yet when she borrowed their vessel, it had to stir something up in them. I believe God's favor in your life will get the attention of others and hopefully there's a spiritual jealousy that they will get jealous of what you have and they will pursue what you have so they too can have it. Wouldn't that be awesome if you were just a light in a dark place in your family, your friends, and they looked to you, they looked at your tenacity, they looked at your struggle, your battle, your victory, and it motivated them to do something good for the things of God. Then she came and told the man of God, Oh, let me back up. There is not a vessel more, and the oil stayed. That means it, it, it didn't run out. There was still oil in the vessel. Then she, came, then, then she came to pass. She told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay the debt, and, and live thou and thy children of the rest. What's in your hand? Look at your neighbor and say, What's in your hand? Say this with me. Michael, what's in your hand? Microphone. Will you help me for a few minutes? Melissa, what's in your hand? A song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Cheryl, what's in your hand? I have the mission field. And one time in Cambodia, we went to a house that was half the size of the platform. There was about 20 people living in there. It was all the family together. And we brought them food, and they had never heard the name of Jesus at all. They didn't wow. even know who he was. We were able to share that, and the entire family knelt in front of us and prayed. Wow. And took the name of Christ in their house, and it was just the most amazing thing. That's awesome. <laughs> Pastor Todd, what's in your hand? Um, well, as the minister of ministries, I do a thing or two around here. But a lot of times, you know, what Pastor Hank started, our food ministry, a lot of folks don't remember that. He was the one who coordinated Mike McCormick coming and dropping off the food. And I was like, that's a great idea. I want to help. So I started blessing it. And I came to a point where I was, you know, about a year or so ago, I said, okay, God, you know, I'm content with what you've called me to do here, but do you want me to do more? And about a week later, Mike said, hey, I'm not going to be able to go pick the stuff up. Can you go do it? It was, it was a small move forward, but I was like, well, okay, God. And as we're all seeing, God is continuing to bless that. Just like Pastor Hank is saying, 
God took what I was already putting my hand to and is blessing it more so I can be a part and it can be bigger. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Missy, what's in your hand? My testimony's in my hand. This year I celebrated eight years clean and sober. I'm graduating in about three months with uh, two degrees, one in crisis counseling, one in recovery and addiction with a minor and Christian counseling, and I love our Celebrate Recovery, and I love being married to Pastor Todd, and I'm just so grateful for this life. <laughs> Joel, what's in your hand? <laughs> Music for the Lord. All right. I'm all in, no more opping, the Holy Spirit that I'm copping. And I don't plan on stopping. As long as I speak in the doctrine, I'm rising and not dropping. Because God's been patient on my salvation. Because I fell up short on many occasions. Like, dang, Joel, what happened? You used to be on point. Well, I was blazing them joints and started banging the point. Now I'm beating around the bush instead of getting straight to the point. This is the truth undiluted. Had to rid my mind of all pollution. Because I've been waiting on the day I could say that I finally found them. Because Jesus is the one that lifts me up when I get down some. <laughs> Linda Jarvis, what's in your hand? I have the prayers. I'm a prayer warrior, and there are many here. And I just offer a prayer that we are so blessed to be able to come here and worship in freedom, to offer our praises and our worship, and I know his presence is here because we all feel it and we have the opportunities to come together and be together and, and just bless one another just by being here and being in his presence Lord and I thank you Amen <laughs> Donnie what's in your hand well, let's see um, I am an armor bearer I travel with Pastor Hank when I have time I support this ministry I am a child of the most high God I am a husband of 29 years and a father and a worshiper of the king amen thank you Michael so this morning everybody has something in their hand if I were to take the microphone and walk up to you what would, you, what would you say was in your hand? I mean, Misha's taken the message to presidents and governors and leadership. As I look around this room, Lyndon, I'm in the faithfulness, the consistency, the love, Chris and Susan. I mean, if I start calling names, I'll start crying. But God put something in your hand to make something possible for someone else. And that's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And when you, get, when you do that, you can't help but receive what you plant. This envelope represents my seed. And it's, and it's a seed that God gave me. He doesn't ask for all of it. He asks for a portion. I give him a portion of it. I give it back. But when I put money in this ministry, when I put money in this field, I'm sowing a reward that I will get when I stand before God. And when I stand before God, some of you are going to be blown away when he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll make you ruler over many. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you came to see me. And we're going we're gonna to say, well, Lord, when, when, when were you naked? When were you hungry? When were you in prison? When you bring a box of cereal or when you bring a coat for the, for the, 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 the homeless ministry, 
when you go write a letter to someone in prison, when you touch a widow that has someone in prison, you become a candidate for the blessings of the Lord. And some of you are going to get rewarded for that box of Captain Crunch. You're going to get rewarded for that, that Carhartt Coke. You're going to get rewarded for that postcard you sent. One day you're going to stand before God and you're going to say, well done. And you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. But you know what many of us might say with regret? I wish I could have done more. I wish I could have done more. Here's a revelation this morning I want to leave with you, 1151. If you will release in your hands what God has given you, then God will release in his hand what he has given you. Let me say it. If you release in your hand what God has given you, it's already his, but he gave it to you. The song says, of things that I love and hold dear to my heart, they're just borrowed, they're not mine at all. Jesus, only let me use them to brighten my path. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord, all your talents, all your abilities, your personalities, that's all God-given. God put that in your DNA. God planted that. God raised you up. Now, if you'll take those talents and those, those, those abilities and you'll give them back to God, then God will take in His hand and He will give back to you. Second Chronicles 29 and 12. Are you ready? Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hand is power and might, and in thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. That's what God is saying. This is what's in my hand. I give it to God. God said, riches and honor and glory are in my hand, and I'm going to give it to you. As every head is bowed just for a moment. If you're here this morning and you feel like you're not walking where God wants you to walk, that you haven't plugged into the things of God, or maybe you have from time to time, but you're not really where you want to be right now with the Lord, I'm here to tell you this morning that God can honor the prayer of your mind, your heart, your words, that God is listening and God is hearing. And God wants an opportunity to turn things around. He is a turn around God. That's the way he rose. And God is wanting to do some things for you. And God is wanting to make some things happen to you. The word says that we have not because we ask not. Many times we disqualify ourselves and we say, we're not worthy, we're not deserving. You may not be, but the blood of Jesus makes you worthy. The blood of Jesus makes you deserving. Father, I pray this morning that you would touch every hand, every heart, every mind that you would speak to us and you would remind us to draw nigh, to draw close unto you, that you remind us to pursue those dreams and visions, that you remind us to listen to those nudges and impulses that you give us, that we would walk where you desire for us to walk and we would do what you desire for us to do, that we would realize there's more to us than we know. There's more in our hands than we realize. There can be a kind word, a love offering, an act of kindness, an act of, of, of tenderness. We can write a letter to someone in prison. We could bring a box of cereal for the food pantry, go through our closet and give away coats that we no longer wear, that there are things that we can do to bless the kingdom of God. Nudge us, remind us of those things, bring those things to our attention. Let us like the widow have the courage to go and borrow other vessels and faith to pour out of the vessel that you gave her. We ask these things 
in the name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen. Again, what's in your hand? I want to give a chance to sow into the kingdom today.